We're going to go to the book of James tonight, back toward the back of your New Testament. James chapter number 3. The book of James and chapter number 3. Excuse me. James chapter 3, and uh, if you'll look down to verse number 13, we're just going to focus on a couple of verses, but I want to read a few here. James chapter 3 and verse number 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. <clears throat> I went back and forth as far as a title for the message tonight and came well, I ended up with this one. It's a question. What is in control of your tongue? What's in control of your tongue? Because God's got something to say here about that. So let's pray and we'll get right on with it. Father, the service thus far has been a blessing to my soul. And our prayer is that it's been a blessing to you. Or just a sweet smell and savor going up. Our praise, our worship. We, we want it, we want, we want it to honor and glorify you. and We want you to meet with us. And so, Lord, we pray um, in Jesus' name that you would uh, arrest our attention by the Holy Ghost of God and that you would illuminate your word and show us things tonight. Deal with us on a personal level and help us to be better, better believers, better Christians because of how you speak to us tonight, because of how we respond. We're thankful for the saving grace of God. We just ask now that you bless the message and help us through it. And we'll thank you for what you do, for we ask it all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. We're really going to focus on verses 17 and 18, <clears throat> where the Bible says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me 
read you another verse. Proverbs 18 and verse number 21 is a very powerful verse. Excuse me, that says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I think we could say that that one verse pretty much describes James chapter number 3 without going back and reading any more of that. Because our tongue, as small as it may be, can bring blessing and goodness, for sure. Or it can be an instrument of wreck and ruin. Our, Our tongue. Definitely so. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the words that come out of our mouth either influence people for good, or they can bring total turmoil. Okay, it can help people, or it can hurt people by our tongue. And it's really not hard to conclude that the, these uh, uh, verses here in James chapter 3, these last six verses are telling us that we had better make sure that it is the wisdom of God that is guiding our tongues when we speak. The wisdom of God. Well, let's say it this way. We need a governor on our tongue. A governor. What in the world are you talking about, preacher? A governor. Some of the engines on our buses out there have governors on them. Uh, That just means that it has something that does not allow the engines to be revved very high. It only allows the RPMs to go to to a a certain height. It's It's a limiter. We call it a limiter. That's not a bad thing. A limiter. And if our tongues are not limited by the wisdom of God, they very well may destroy someone's life. Oh no, it's very true. It's very possible too. Words can ruin somebody's life. Without a doubt. Um, They can ruin unity in a church. They can paint a bad picture of someone that may never be erased from someone else's mind. Words. So we need the wisdom of God to limit uh, what we let come out of our mouths. And we see in these verses that we read tonight that everyone, everyone uses wisdom. Everyone. And it's either human wisdom or it's godly wisdom. And it really goes without saying that the two produce different results, don't they? Come on, human wisdom or godly wisdom, the two will produce different results. In verses 13 through 16, we see the characteristics of human wisdom. Uh, Again, who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with with meekness of wisdom But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, devilish, God calls it. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But tonight, I want to look at, the, at godly wisdom. Um, the, things, the things that come with godly wisdom and the things that, 
that godly wisdom comes without. Well, preacher, how do you get this godly wisdom? Well, James chapter 1 and verse number 5 says this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So to get godly wisdom, no, it's really very simple. You have to ask God. And that's not a bad thing to do several times a day, if needed. Come on. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. We gain knowledge of what God wants by reading this. We, have the, we gain the wisdom that we need to make proper application of this by asking God for His wisdom. And it says if we'll ask Him for it, He'll give it to us. Come on, He's a very gracious, giving, loving, caring Heavenly Father, right? Come on. He's not going to deny us what we need to live a Christian life in this world. I'll say it again. He will not deny us what we need to live a Christian life. Stay with me here. To live a Christian life in this world. He will not deny us that. But at the very same time, if he says, if you need wisdom, ask me for it. Well, that's what he means. Let him ask of God. Who giveth to all men liberally. So if we need wisdom, which uh, all of us need wisdom, godly wisdom, then we need to go to the Father and we need to ask him for that. And the Bible says that he will give it to us. We need it. We need it. So once we have it, let's think about what it comes with. Verse 17 there says, But the wisdom that is from above is, pure, uh, is first pure. So this wisdom descends from God. It comes from God. We could go back again to James chapter 1, verse number 17, where it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift uh, is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So every good gift is from God. And it's a gift. Wisdom is a, is a gift. And uh, it says that uh, this wisdom from above is first pure. That word pure just means free from defilement. It means clean. It means without contamination. And what that would imply here really is a, a pure life. That we would have a pure life. As, as it's acknowledged in, in verse number 30. Who is a wise man and endue with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. That pure life. That life that God wants us to live. But it also involves, godly wisdom also involves um, um, being pure in motive. Being cleansed from ulterior motives. Uh, God cares about the heart, doesn't he? He cares about the heart. So being pure from ulterior motives. Um, a lot of them back during this time, during Bible times, a lot of the, the men back during this time, they wanted to be masters or teachers. Uh, and their motive wasn't always just because they would love to teach people the Word of God. No, no, no. There were, there were many of them that just wanted to be looked up to. There were many of them that just wanted the title. There was a lot of them that just wanted to wear the good, good robes and stand in the marketplace and everybody look up to them, be held in high esteem. I mean, thought very highly of because of their position. They really didn't 
care anything about really teaching people the way they should. They just wanted what it would bring to them. But godly wisdom is pure and it cleanses us from selfish ambition. And it cleanses us from vain glory. So first, it is pure. But it goes on to say that it's peaceable. But the wisdom from, that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me. We, we read what is uh, earthly wisdom, bitter envying, strife, um, that it's uh, earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish, envying, a strife. The product of human wisdom is the opposite. The product of human wisdom is the opposite of peaceable. The very opposite of peaceable. Um, but godly wisdom, it creates a peaceable relationship. Certainly a peaceable relationship between, between people. Men and men, women and women, children and children. Peaceful relationship, but also between man and God. Um, there in James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says this, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust, and ye have not. Ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. So there we see the product of human wisdom. Human wisdom, again, war, fighting, a real sense of unrest. But you think about Jesus himself. I mean, Jesus was a man of peace. He was a man of peace. I mean, even though he walked in this world that rejected God, he had a personal peace because his wisdom was from above. Uh, that wisdom from above is peaceable. That wisdom, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but that wisdom from above is going to work at being at peace with others. That wisdom from above is going to work at being at peace with God. I mean, we're going to be peaceable. But it goes on to gentle, gentle. I want you to consider this quote from one Bible commentator on the point of gentle. He describes the man with godly wisdom that produces gentleness like this. He said this, the man who knows when it is actually wrong, boy, slow down a minute, brain. I want you to get this because this is very good. The man who knows when it is actually wrong to apply the strict letter of the law. He knows how to forgive when strict justice gives him a perfect right to condemn. He knows how to make allowances when not to stand upon his rights. How to temper justice with mercy. Always remembers that there are greater things in the world than rules and regulations. The ability to extend to others the kindly consideration we would wish to receive ourselves. Oh, that's very good. Absolutely so. Gentle. You know, many of the Bible greats are known as such because while they were men of conviction and they were men of strength, they knew how to be gentle. They weren't looking just to thump everybody every time they did something wrong. And by the way, that, that's not our God either. He's not looking just to thump us every time we do wrong. He's a wonderful, gracious, loving, kind, uh, long-suffering, heavenly father 
that tries to help us through things in this life if we'll allow him to. And I've said it a hundred times before, but God's not just some old guy sitting up there that's mad at everybody all the time. That's not our God. Our God is gentle. I mean, you watch the life of Jesus as, as he, oh, the life of Jesus as he who is only holy walked and dealt with sinners. Jesus was still a gentle man. I mean, he, he, and, and at the very same time, he never compromised the truth. He always stood on the truth. And that, my friend, is wisdom from above. It is possible to live a life according to what the Bible says and not be mean about it. It is possible to live a life the way the Bible says and not hurt people by it. It is very possible. But it goes on. Easy to be entreated. It says there in verse 17. Easy to be entreated. And there it's talking about being reasonable. Uh, someone that you can sit down and reason with about the different things in life. And really if we have this godly wisdom. Easy to be entreated. Uh, we won't have a problem sitting down and talking about things. We, we won't have a problem sitting down and, and talking when things uh, seem to be going awry. Uh, and when it talks about a person that's easy to be entreated, it's speaking of someone, get this, it's speaking of someone who lacks the stubborn and obstinate spirit that's found in those that only have worldly wisdom. They just want to argue about everything. Uh, that never want to admit that they might have done something wrong. That never want to admit that they might not be exactly where they need to be. Now, I'm telling you, there's a big difference between having that worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. And, and even if they have to deal with something in which, in which uh, we cannot compromise or we cannot move, if we have to deal in a situation like that, uh, holding on to the Word of God, we should at least be approachable. We should at least be able to reason without being mean, without being unpleasant. It's only the right... It's only the right way to live. But it goes on and says this. Without partiality and without, uh, I'm sorry, no, no. With, uh, I'm sorry, I got ahead of my own self. Full of mercy and good fruits. Full of mercy and good fruits. Full of mercy <laughs> and good fruits. Really to fully appreciate that, we have to remember how human wisdom works. Because way too often, human wisdom will look at the misery of other people and really is not able to do anything with it. Uh, usually, human wisdom will judge people. Um, it judges the reason for whatever suffering they go through. And even if they take action, it's really with a sinful motive. Y human wisdom is being applied by a lot in our world today who like to... Uh, one-up others or use others to make themselves look good. And there's a lot of that that goes on today, isn't there? But that's not the way God wants us to handle things at all. Um, godly wisdom is accompanied by mercy and good fruits. Uh, to quote one author, he said this, Mercy is a compassionate attitude and good fruits are actions that naturally flow for mercy. Okay. 
Aren't you glad that mm, God is merciful with you? So shouldn't we be merciful with others? Not be looking for reasons that we can look down our nose at them or kick them to the curb when they've done a little something wrong or... I think we as Christians, <clears throat> as a whole, not speaking of this room full, but I think that as a whole in the years past that we've given a bad name to Christianity by not being merciful. I'm not pointing fingers in here. I'm just saying that there, I mean, there was a time in Christianity that boy, oh boy, if somebody did something wrong, it's like we couldn't wait to nail them to the cross. We couldn't wait to completely crucify them. We did our best to make them look as bad as we could so we could look better. But that's not real Christianity, is it? No, no, not at all. No, not at all. Because we are to be merciful. Godly wisdom, we're going to be merciful. You think about Luke 10 and the story of the Good Samaritan. It's a classic example of all of that. Uh, but... Jesus and his death on the cross is the ultimate example of that. Merciful. However, the application for us, for us believers, it, it, it really is very demanding. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, we may find it easy to show compassion. Please get this. We may find it easy to show compassion to those who are suffering through no fault of their own. We can show compassion to them. Somebody falls into something. It's no fault that they're in what they're in. But from what I can take from the Bible here, when we're governed by godly wisdom, we're going to be like God, more like God. We'll show mercy and good fruits to others even when they're suffering as a result of their own foolish mistakes. I was really hoping the whole room would say amen right there. Because there's not anybody sitting in this place that doesn't make mistakes. There's not anybody sitting in this place that does not need that kind of mercy every once in a while in their life. Would you say that that kind of mercy, uh, would you say that that is the kind of mercy that God has shown and continues to show us? Oh, absolutely so. We make bad decisions. <laughs> we do things wrong. Don't look at me so pious. And God continues to be merciful to us over and over, doesn't He? And that's the kind of mercy we need to show other folks. Absolutely so. Come on, I know, no, no, I know there's such a thing as righteous judgment. I know there's such, I know I understand all of that. But I'm telling you, most of the time we just need to be merciful with people if we're going to help them. If we're going to keep them going. If we're going to get them back on track. If we're going to do those things that would show us Christ-like. 
So that's what uh, godly wisdom comes with. But these last two there in that verse are what godly wisdom comes without. Come on, we're doing good here. It says, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So those two things simply do not accompany godly wisdom. And he starts out with this one, without partiality. Now, without partiality means to be without wavering. I mean, without vacillating. Uh, without having a divided mind. It means to be decisive. Boy, I tell you what, with all these politicians, they get out there and they campaign, say stuff like, well, no new taxes, or I'm going to cut taxes, or whatever the case. They finally get elected and they say, you know what I really meant by that? <laughs> and vacillating is right, it's on its way. But godly wisdom, on the other hand, is, get this, it's not obnoxious, it's not mean-spirited, it's not stubborn. I mean, on the contrary, godly wisdom is decisive. I've got a quote from another Bible commentator that I thought was very good here. He said, when you lean on the world's wisdom, you are pressured from one side and then another to change your mind or take a new viewpoint. Boy, isn't it a lot better when we just stand on the Word of God? Instead of listening to every wind that blows. But it also says this, without hypocrisy. William Barclay said, Godly wisdom never acts apart to gain its own end. Without hypocrisy. That's a great quote. Godly wisdom never acts apart to gain its own end. Now, I want you to stay with me here. Come on, we're almost done. Believe it or not. We're almost done. I'm going I'm 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 to quote that again because before I go on because I want to make a point here. Godly wisdom is without hypocrisy. Godly wisdom never acts apart, apart to gain its own end. It never acts apart. Preacher, I don't know if I'm following you. Well, that's what a hypocrite is. Or what? An actor. A hypocrite's an actor. Someone who acted. Someone who played a part. I mean, Hollywood's full of hypocrites. Actors and actresses. That's what a hypocrite is. Just an actor. Acting out a part. But godly wisdom doesn't play games like that. Come on, stay with me here. I'll say it again. Godly wisdom doesn't play games like that. It, it's, it, it, is, it is human and devilish wisdom. Listen to this. It's human and devilish wisdom that puts on a costume for Sunday... And then for the rest of the week, they reveal their true character. Acting. Putting on a front. Putting on a mask. 
putting on a costume. Be one way in front of a certain group of people and another way in front of another group of people. Acting. But godly wisdom operates throughout the week what is seen on Sunday. Because godly wisdom comes without hypocrisy. So let's wrap it all up with verse 18. I said we were going to do verse 17 and 18. And verse 18 says this, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, really, this is not an easy verse to understand if you just glance at it and go on. So I'm going to break it down in, in three different parts. It says, the fruit and the fruit of righteousness. We know that righteousness, the fruit of righteousness, is just a result of living and doing right. Come on, we're not going to get into the theological discussion about that. The fruit of righteousness is a result of living and doing right. Uh, come on, your life will begin to show the fruit of righteousness. Your life will begin to show the fruit of righteousness. Living right, treating others right, always keeping your tongue in check. Doing the right thing. The, the fruit of righteousness. But then it says this, is sown in peace. The, the person that is... Uh, the person who is able to sow or plant the right seeds in life is the person that can sow in peace. Well, what do you mean? Uh, that person who has a peaceful relationship with other people and with God. Have you ever known someone that just couldn't get along with anybody? Well, that's not who he's talking about here. And of course, it's talking about having godly wisdom. And if we, are, if, we are, if we have godly wisdom and we are doing our best to live the way that God would have us to live, um, well, we're going to sow in peace. We're not going to be looking for a fight. We're not going to be looking for a disagreement. We are going to be doing our best to get along, certainly with God, but with others. That's what keeps good unity in a church body, a church family, getting along. Is sown in peace of them that make peace, third part there. The only kind of person who can know the fruit of a righteous life is a person who is at peace and who assists others in making peace. Because first off, you have to be at peace with God. Because if you're not at peace with God, you're going to have a real hard time assisting others to make peace. But isn't it an amazing thing that someone that has a walk with God uh, just seems to be able to get along with everybody? No, no, they, they don't have to worry. Don't, listen to me. Look up here. Look up here. I'm almost done. They don't have to worry about how they act around this crowd and swapping their masks so they can act this way over here. 
Okay, they don't have to remember what they said to this crowd so they don't make a mistake and say something different over with this crowd. Are y'all following me here? No, no, no. There is great value in having godly wisdom because godly wisdom will direct us in every area of our life and it will keep us from making a mess of our life if we'll allow it to control us. I, I've been in the, we have been in the Beatitudes uh, in our Sunday school class. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The peacemakers. Those that seem to be able to make peace with others. Those that work at making peace between God and man. They shall be called the children of God. But pretty much all of this has to do with what comes out of our mouth, doesn't it? You know, how we get along with others, how we walk through this life. <clears throat> so let me ask this, and, and I am done. Is your tongue used as an instrument of peace or an instrument of war? I mean, what is in control of your tongue? Worldly wisdom or godly wisdom? I think we need to ask ourselves. Especially if we really want to be right with God and our fellow man. There's nothing much better than being at peace with God. And when we are there, we'll not have a whole lot of trouble being at peace with our fellow man. Let's stand. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I tried to expound upon your word to the, the best of my ability tonight. And I don't know how you may have spoken to people's hearts. I, I don't know where people are in their walk with you, their life with you. I do know this. According to your word, we need godly wisdom. And the only way that we can get it is asking you. And then allow it to help us to be who we should be. Allow it to control our tongue. That we wouldn't be gossipers and backbiters and talebearers. But Lord, that we would work, certainly at being at peace with you, but in being at peace with others. Not trying to one-up anybody. Not trying to make ourselves look better by putting others down. None of those things, Lord, that we would uh, care about uh, others. Care about you. Father, however you may have spoken to hearts tonight, I just pray people would come. Whatever the needs are, 
Lord, I pray that they'd look to you to fulfill those needs. We just need you to do what we can't. We trust you for these things and ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pen is going to play. Some have already made their way to the altar. Why don't you? I mean, you know you need to. God spoke to your heart. And you know some changes need to be made. Or maybe you just realized you need some uh, godly wisdom. Preacher, I just need me some godly wisdom. Why don't you come down here and ask God for it? Because He gives liberally. And He'll help you. Like no one else can help you.